The following is a conversation with Australian physician, Dr. Peter Michaela. Do you want to make the most of your life and live to your 120th birthday? I would certainly like to if I could, disease-free. So this episode's for you. If you want five hacks to live longer and a healthier life, my guest, Peter Kayla, Dr. Peter Kayla from Australia, has been for the last three decades a distinguished career physician in nutritional medicine, functional food, and he has had a passion and interest in naturopathic medicine. He's worked with more than 10,000 patients, and he's acquired an impressive array of clinical qualifications in health sciences. So he's been developing this practice and building upon his knowledge and experience. He's worked with lots of successful clinics throughout Australia, but he's really, he's got the first clinic of its kind in his country, and it's even rare here in the United States, one that focuses on longevity and anti-aging. So I wanted to talk to Peter. He has some very interesting comments here about aging, and I'm excited to see what he has. Peter, man, thank you for joining me. Thanks, James. No, really excited to be able to talk about this, you know, yeah. uh, exciting topic of longevity and life Definitely. extension. You know, but yeah, but also, you know, getting the word out there that people, it's not hard, it's not a difficult thing to do, and that's where most people shun or they, they step back thinking, I've got to be the gym junkie, I've got to be in the gym all the time, or I've got to eat just lettuce leaves, or I've got to take you know a mountain of you know supplements and drugs. You know, it's a lot easier than that. So it's good to be able to talk and chat about this uh, exciting topic. Yeah. And- and I think it's really important because, you know, I've been following our sort of public health scene in the United States and sort of just really aghast at all of the conflicts of interest. You know, I, I do not feel and the people that I that I talk to do not feel that, you know, public health is really the major concern. You're certainly not living as long as you can because uh, a government isn't really in charge of, you know, wanting their populace to live super long time because it's more expensive to maintain that elderly population, especially when people are sick and and overweight and, and, and not feeling good because of their lifestyle. So, I mean, if they want to live longer, they're going to have to make some lifestyle modifications. And you're saying that those are yes. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I think you, know, you're, you hit the nail on the head. We do need to take the responsibility ourselves. You know, we're not going to get the government initiatives to, to help us to live longer or wanting us to live longer. Uh, even though there are massive benefits to uh, you know, having more people in the workforce, having people healthier and not being a burden on the, on the health system, they don't look at that. They just look at the costs and, the, and it's really an ageism, which we're starting to talk about now. You know, with older people, you know, uh, so you know, it is about taking that responsibility back ourselves and starting to work on some known scientific principles and even getting back to good natural principles. Yeah, don't worry about what the labs are saying. Don't worry about what's coming out from all the scientific boffins in their in their laboratories. There's some rules of nature that we should be getting back to that we're not taught or we're not living uh, that will really give us that life extension and give us that healthier healthier body and mind. So, where do we start? I mean, do, do we, well, you know, can we do this on our own? Yeah, okay. So, so yes, we can. You know, a bulk of it can be done on our own if we have knowledge and education about it. I think my job is to come in you know, as a clinician and to not just inspire and motivate people to live this life but to, and to educate people on how to do it, but it's to test and measure to make sure that the things that you are doing you know, in your lifestyle, in the supplements you're taking, are actually you know, working. Are they reversing your biological age? Are they improving cellular function? Are you uh, getting better mitochondrial function or cellular, you know, cellular aspects? Are these things working? Uh, and that's where my job, and tweak things as we, as we uh, see those results coming through in that data, 
coming through, we can tweak things according to each individual person. So, so it is a team effort. It is a partnership to get the longest life, to get the best health. But yes, it is something that you predominantly can do once you have that education in your own home on a day-by-day basis. So how are you making these assessments with people? Are you, you mentioned lab tests. What sort of functional lab tests are you using to measure, you know, aging or mitochondrial? Yes, yes. Okay. So that's a good question. And that's one of my five hats. We did have, uh, I did narrow it down to five hacks. There's lots of things that I'm actually doing to, to improve. Make it simple for me. I need something to follow. Five. To make it simple, yes, five. Yeah, and of the, of the five, the testing is the major hack. Testing. That's the major hack. That's all the right. one that goes in there and grabs all your data, grabs your analytics, you know, gets what's going on in a cellular function. It allows you to actually modify and change things. If you don't measure it, you can't optimize it. You don't know what's going on. People are hoping, they're taking supplements, they're eating diets, they're hoping that they're obviously you know, they're doing the right thing, but who knows unless you test. And the testing we're doing, like I have access to a lot of the lab tests around epigenetic markers or the age clock tests you know, and tell you how old you are on the inside. So where I'm in my mid-50s, as an example, where I'm in my mid-50s, um, I look like, well, I hope I do, you know, in my mid-40s, and I've got the epigenetic age or the biological age of 39. So, so the idea is to obviously try and be younger than your chronological is. I've been working on this for a long time. So, so it's, it's something that I monitor and measure and have been doing for decades. But, you know, that's the idea is to get younger. What, you, what are you, measure, what are you uh, measuring there? T- uh, telomeres or? Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, t- there is a new telomere test finally that uh, there aren't any around at the moment that are accurate with telomere lengths. Uh, and how telomerase is going, but there is a lab that has now designed one, and I'll have access to that next month. Uh, but the one that we're doing here is called an epigenetic age rate test. So that's measuring 10,000 markers or methylation markers on your DNA, and then comes through and shows you how that DNA is aging, how your cells are aging, and especially around the, you know, the looking at immunological health, uh, metabolic health, you know, digestive health, um, you know, inflammatory markers, so all of these are uh, uh, a part of what that age rate test does. And they, they're starting to look into the, the DNA mark and, and testing. It's really exciting that you can do those sort of tests now very accurately, you know, within months. Yeah. You know, whereas you know, years ago when I first started, it could be a five, ten year, you know, um, uh, difference really of what, what your real age is. But now they're getting it down to months. That's how accurate they're getting it. Really? So that's, that's really so that's the epigenetic, yeah, very, very good. The epigenetic age rate test, the, the mitochondrial one that I mentioned is, is measuring the amount of NAD in oh. your uh, mitochondria. So NAD being the super fuel or the rocket fuel yeah. to, to energize and to uh, supercharge your, your uh, mitochondria, which are your battery packs in cells. Yeah. Um, it, it declines, NAD declines, you know, rapidly and massively, especially after the age of 35, 40, and they're big declines from there into your older years. Um, so we can measure that. And if we can upregulate and increase the amount of NAD in the mitochondria, they function better, they regenerate better, they grow better, uh, and they give back a lot of our energy. So that, this is what we're talking about, where you could be 80 or 100 and have the energy of a 30, 40, 50-year-old at 80 or 100. You know, is around mitochondrial health and, and that NAD. So what's the so best way? A, what's the best way do you like to uh, um, boost NAD? Is that through exogenous NAD? Or? Yeah. Well, I do a combination. Obviously, everything you know from a naturopathic perspective is looking around the dietary fault. You know, you know, we obviously want to use that as our baseline. It's the foods that we put in. But then, it, 
nutrients come in as targeted specific uh, activators or increases, if you want, or boosters, depending on what people's needs are. So if someone comes in, does the NAD test and their NAD levels are fine, I don't give NAD boosters. If someone comes in and most people come in with their levels very low, I would start on the the um, the cofactors first, the coenzyme Q10s, the mm. the ribose, the the nicotinamide uh, ribose, the the uh, L-carnitine, the alpha lipoic acid, the resveratrols. These things are all shown. Magnesium, all shown to increase up NAD levels within the mitochondria. What form of magnesium do you like? Um, I've been actually having a lot of uh, talks with this on a lot of the biohacker groups uh, around the world over the last months about the form of magnesium that I use. You know, really, over the last 30 years, I've used the, the, you know, the biglycinate, I've used amino acid chelate, I've used citrate form. They're the, the, the most common forms. I've used those with brilliant success with everybody that I give them to. So, so when you start to look at, well, what about theonate? What, what about, you know, orotape? What about, you know, uh, the dip, all the different strains? I'm saying, well, I haven't had to go to those strains necessarily because you get good results just getting magnesium in, not oxide. So obviously I tell people yeah. not to use oxygen, very poorly absorbed, great <laughs> as a bowel flush, not good for your cells. Yeah. Um, you know, it is something where people are worried and they're trying to find that that's the secret magnesium. Just get magnesium in. It's, it's God's gift to humanity, I say, uh, because it's so powerful and so wonderful within all our cellular functions. You've just got to get lots of it in every day. But don't worry about the form, just get it in. Okay, so we test, you know, we can take some things to boost these different enzymes in the body that are used in metabolic reactions to, you know, uh, make sure that we're aging properly and our mitochondria function properly. I, um, every once in a while, I'll do some methylene blue to make my mitochondria more dense as a, as a supplement, but I've been meaning to do more cardio. Like I want to do more, um, of that hermetic stress out of my body, but I want to do, I want to, I want to do it physically. I need to get out there and do more cardio. I realize that. So yes. what, what is another? Yeah. I think that's, I think that's important. Just coming back to NAD, the question you asked before about some of the other things. Yes, we can use NAD. We can use NMN. We can use, and I do have those in the clinic and I do dispense those depending on what people need as we test that NAD level. Some people don't need those just to lift their levels up. They're good at exercise. They're doing their cardio. They're doing their resistance. They're eating correctly. They're taking some simple nutrition nutrients, and that's building up their NAD. I haven't had to put NMN in or, or NAD, but I do have access to those to, to build those up. Um, and, and then coming back to your situation there, that what we're trying to do is find what people will do. There's a lot of people that can't or won't do cardio exercise or to do HIIT programs or to do these you know, strenuous exercises to, to lift their NAD. So how can we get those levels up without having to do some of these more you know, technical and hard things for some people? You know, so, so they're all the things as a clinician, which is a, uh, an interesting dynamic that we've got to work with each patient sitting in front of us to get the best results doing what they will do decade in, decade out, decade in, decade out. Uh, and, you know, it's a lot of stuff to absorb. And here in the United States, our our model of medical care isn't set up to to sit down and, and educate people and, and take to take the time to, you know, exactly. age healthily. Our, our, our system is set up to get sick and then get treated for that sickness. And, and that's basically it. There's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of money in keeping people alive with their disease. Yes. You know, so so that, that's oftentimes where, you know, where the focus goes and everything's put into boxes and if they can't put into, into a box or give it a diagnosis, then we don't know what it is and, and then, well, we'll call it a syndrome, you know. So, so that's the fancy name they'll give to something when they don't know what it is. 
Um, but it is coming back down to you know, to physical you know, uh, rules of nature, the laws of nature that we want to get back to you know, and get down to a cellular level. And you know, uh, you know, some of the hacks that we'll talk about are, are really getting back to those you know, uh, simple things that we can all do. You know, step outside of the medical model, step, step outside of that framework of diagnosing something and get back to basics you know, within our body, which makes us feel good, but can extend our life quite dramatically. Okay, so what are some other hacks? Right, so so that and and you know this is a great topic. I love talking about this because most people won't talk about age. They don't want to know about death. They don't want to know about you know. Well, okay, I'm at the age now where it's just all decline until I get into the nursing home with lots of hospital visits, lots of drugs, lots of humiliating treatments. Yo, know, I become frail. I become run down, and then I die. No one wants to think about that. So so you know we we lose a lot of the conversation on how to be healthy and to think about what we're going to be when we're 70, 80, 90, 100. So, so these hacks, you know, and as you mentioned before, I'm like, I've got a goal of living over 120. That's doing the things that I can do now, you know, scientifically and physically, and also preparing my body for what will come in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, the technology that we will have uh, scientifically to be able to, to increase, you know, life expectancy and uh, health. You know, is going to be quite dramatic. But most people are waiting for those things to come in 10, 20, 30 years. You know, they're not doing anything, all the things we know that we can do right now to extend life. So, so these hacks are designed to, to get people into doing things right now. And it's, it's not about living forever. You know, I think that would be the, a cruel punishment. It's, it's really about, you know, living as long as you can, disease-free and without, you know, health concerns. Because most people spend like 10 years of their life sick. Like combined, yes, and and it, it's that. Of course, I wouldn't want to live forever that way. I don't think anybody would. And I think that you know, um, if we can kind of think of it in terms of you know, how long could I live disease free and start making decisions based on those? So, absolutely. What are, what are some other things? Absolutely. Okay, so 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 breaking it down, uh, we'll come back to my chief hack, which is testing. You know, right at the very end. But obviously, the first one that uh, you know around stress response. We know scientifically, we know medically, we even know personally the effects and that stress has on our bodies. Uh-huh. So minimizing that, we do oftentimes talk about, yes, 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 we've got to watch our stress, but many people don't do it. You know, we're, we're in environments that are highly stressful. We're in work environments that are stressful. We live in cities oftentimes with high pollution. Uh, we, we've, we've got so much going on. We've, we cram so much into our lives. We're trying to keep up with the Joneses all the time. You know, uh, and the stress is just, you know, palatable what it does on our body from our adrenal glands, our nerves, our mind. You know, so managing stress is of paramount importance. You know, and I, and I like to think of that image of someone sitting up on a mountain, you know, swinging in a hammock, you know, drinking out of a mountain stream, you know, doing deep breathing, just being in bliss with nature. That's the image. But I know many, most of us can't do that. But how can we emulate that within our homes and within our lives that, we're, you know, that we've got now? Yeah. You know, and so there's a lot of techniques that we can do with that. And, and I talk about things like uh, you know, uh, meditation, obviously, and relaxation. Yeah. You know, book in your day. Start with a good meditation in the morning for five or ten minutes. End your day with a good meditation or prayer in the, in the evenings. Uh, set something as simple as that can be very, very beneficial for our nervous system. You know, um, deep breathing, like we talked before, which activates your vagus nerve and helps with regards to, you know, to oxygenation and carbon dioxide change within the body. You know, there's, there's lots of things with regards to, you know, trying to, you know, float tanks, massages, 
um, um, saunas, you know, just even reading, getting a good book and reading. No one does that much anymore. We're on our devices or watch, watching telly or things like that. Just get into a good book. You know, it can be can be amazingly relaxing for the for the human spirit and for the the brain and the and the nervous system. The managing stress is paramount. Have you um you mentioned the vagus nerve? It, have you ever used the device that you clip on the ears and it stimulates that nerve? Do you know if that's an effective yes. modality to to do that? It is. It is an effective modality. Um, but originally designed by acupuncturists because it's acupuncture points within the uh, ears that work on nerve pathways in the vagus. So, so then people have just come along and developed electrical devices and, and things like that that you can put on your earlobe. Same thing with uh, uh, seasickness. These patches that you can put on your ear, which then you know, changes your nausea value, which is all by the vagus, vagus nerve in the stomach and your equilibrium and your, and, and your uh, balance. Mm. So, so very, very effective. But for those people that don't want to spend the money on that type of thing or to go and get those types of therapies, simple things like humming, you know, uh, yeah. uh, deep breathing, chanting. using the diaphragm. Some cultures do chanting and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, all of those things are, are quite amazing, just getting your favorite song and humming it. You know, so, uh, you know, it, it, it influences vagus nerve activity, conduction and signaling through the, through the vagus nerve. So, mm. so yeah, there are some very simple, I've got medicines as well, which impact the, the vagus nerve, natural medicines that uh, can, can support that if you're, if somebody's under therapy and we are see those, the vagus. What are those, like herbs and, and stuff like that? Yes, yeah, there's herbs yeah, and probiotics, specific herbs and probiotics that influence the, the vagus nerve. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, so definitely, yeah. There's a lot of things that can manage stress, and 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 again, think about you know the blue zones. Um, you know, there's lots of studies done around the world on different parts of the world. It's not just the blue zones. There's lots of places through the world where we do get a, a high majority or a large percentage of people living a hundred or even over. You know, looking at their lives, looking at how unstressed they are, looking at how simple their lives are. You know, sometimes creating our own mini blue zones in our own in our own home is is a very effective way of living longer and having less disease. But yeah. so, so stress is one of those big, you know, one of the it's the big, big five. It's big you know, hacks that yeah. you know, needs to work on to to reduce um, you know, to reduce inflammatory processes, to reduce you know adrenal activity, and to help us to sleep better, to 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 help us to to connect with ourselves better, to be grounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's one thing that oftentimes I, I teach my patients to do is to go and spend five minutes barefoot on the ground, yeah. on the grass. Yes. You know, it's, it's so simple, you know, some of those things. It's not just about connecting with nature. There is ionic changes. There are electrical charges that do get imparted into the body through the soles of the feet. But it is just about taking time out, your shoes and socks off, to get outside in the fresh air and to actually stand on the grass is meditative. It's relaxation. We just, uh, you know, it's not about the technique. It's what we're actually doing to get out of our, out of our head for just a moment. I'll probably do that tonight. I need, yeah, I need that. Yeah. Need a recharge. Yeah, a recharge. Actually, in a lot of the, the martial artists around the world, the top martial artists, you'll find early in the morning as the sun's rise, they will go out underneath a, a big tree and they'll bury their feet in the ground. <laughs> And then they'll do all their moves, whether it be their Tai Chi moves, Qigong, yeah. uh, a lot of their, their martial arts moves, and they absorb all the energy that's trapped under the foliage of the tree. They're absorbing that. They're bringing it up through the soles of their feet, through their through their breathing. It's 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 you know, been well known for centuries to hmm. that these sort of things have, have been beneficial for the human body. But we, we just get away from those in our Western society. We don't do these types of techniques. 
then just going out and standing on the grass is, is wonderful. So what's the next one? Do we, do we, uh, okay. So, so diet and food. So, so of course, of course. You know, foundational process is you know, uh, what we put into our bodies and that's what the microbiome has to, to, to work with. That's what our cellular function is dealing with all the time, signaling and nutritional. We've got you know, over 70 you know, vitamins, minerals, trace elements, nutrients that need to be getting into the cells on the daily basis to keep function going. So it is about getting back down and working on those foods. And so, you, so, you mentioned yeah. you mentioned epigenetics and, and food is directly, you know, af affecting epigenetics, like the up and down regulation of these genes. The United States just just um, appointed somebody to our dietetics uh, guidelines board. And she she believes that um, solely that ob ob obesity is genetic and that there are that there's no lifestyle factors that will modify that. And, and they just appointed this woman and she's on the payroll of Big Pharma. And that just blows my mind because food is, is signals, you know, that's the information that you're feeding your body. And if you give your gene bad signals, you know, you're going to get a bad, bad result. Exactly right. And I mean, taking it back further to the, to the ludicrousness of that statement, you know, that no lifestyle or dietary factors can, can influence obesity. I mean, we've got shows out there called The Biggest Loser. We've got the, lots of, you know, uh, information out there in the community that you modify your diet, you improve your movement exercise, and you get weight loss. You get improvement in health and energy and well-being. So straight away, diet and exercise are two lifestyle things that we know, you know, can cure obesity, can reduce it down, can give people their lives back. I've lost over 3,000 kilos here in the clinic uh, over the last 30 years just purely by changing people's lifestyles and diets. Yeah. You know, and block that weight off. So, so again, it's you know, it's crazy that we're getting that type of messaging out to our communities and out to our society. I agree. I agree. So, so food. I mean, and I'm again looking at you know, from a naturopathic perspective, when a patient's sitting in front of me, you're dealing with each person individually. You know, where are you up to? There's principles that we always work. The baseline principles me are things like um, as many colors of the rainbow on your plate as possible within the colored portions of the plants we get our most powerful antioxidant content yeah. uh, within our colored portions of the plants that we get our terra still be our polyphenols you get all these different signaling marks come from the colored portion of plants things we don't get from proteins you know solely things we don't get from fats things we definitely don't get from carbs or from you know sugar. Um, so, so for me, you know, the basic principles, as many colors of the rainbow on the plate as possible, lots of good quality protein in there, huge amount of that to get into the system and good quality fat. You know, so there's principles that we can teach each, each individual person. But from a longevity perspective, the, the most studied over the most amount of decades with the most people in these studies doing everything from blood work through to stool analysis, through to urine, through to biopsies has been the Mediterranean diet for longevity, you know, so for, for providing everything that the human body requires to live to 120 or 150, whatever we were able to get to. So, so from a life extension process, I, am, I do talk a lot about Mediterranean diet. But again, good levels of protein, coloured portions of plants, lots of fat. Yeah. You know, and, and in that pathway, you don't see a lot of carbohydrates. You don't see any sugars. You don't see any of those types of uh, foods being utilised much in the Mediterranean diet. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The Mediterranean diet's delicious. Olives, yeah, olive oil, and it's delicious. And yep, yep. You're full of the oil, full of olive oil, full of you know, you know, your organic grass-fed butters. You know, full of full of good quality proteins. Um, you know, it's it's just those things that are just so fundamental to the building blocks of human life. Yeah. You know, and, and instead, what we're doing as a society is we mostly live out of 
dead, processed foods with no life, things out of tins, packets, boxes. Mm -hmm. You see people's kitchens. The pantry, is, the fridge is small. Yeah. So I teach people to change that around. Yeah, make the pantry mostly empty and have your fridge, buy a bigger fridge, chock it full of things. So, so it's about trying to make those mental changes in people's lives, which can then give them ultimate benefits you know, de over the decades. My, my, my pantry actually mainly just has various amino acids and supplements that I have. And then my fridge, I got two. I got, I got a fridge and then I got a, a deep freeze that I, I stocked yes, yes, from my local, yeah, from my local farmer. And I got You're chicken feet and bones and oxtail and I make bone broth and Yes, yeah, and I, and I know you've you, you've talked a lot about carnivore and your your journey on carnivore and experiences, yeah. and I think that's important. You're Talk. doing it the right way, which a lot of people don't. So you use nose to tail. You use every part of the beast. You use everything that's got all the various types of aminos and and principles and, and nutrients within that. Whereas most people will just be deli meat, or it'll be bacon, or it'll be yeah. sausages, or it'll be poor quality meat. They're trying to do carnivore, yeah. and they're just getting the nutrition and there's, the there's so much nuance to any diet or anything, you know, and if you, no matter where you look, you know, that it's, um, you know, especially with like pork, you say a lot of people will just consume like, like pork or something like that. And, and with that, you know, there's the ratio of omega six to omega threes and, and, the, and a lot of those pigs, they can't, they don't clear those omega six fats out very well. And that's what they're being fed is all this, you know, yeah. um, non-organic grains and it, that, that, they, it, that becomes the pig. And it's very and neat. That. Yeah, it's very neat. That, and that, that's a big consideration. And then this a little bit is where the rubber hits the road as a clinician for me. If I look at my database and the amount of people that come in and see me each week, there's probably only 10% of people that would focus on diet, measure everything, weigh everything, make sure that they're going out of their way to buy the best cuts of this and the most expensive of that. And the things that have the most nutrition is probably only 10% of the time that have the ability to focus and to micromanage like that and look at things. The rest won't do it or can't do it or don't have the time to do it. So what do we do with those people, you know, training them in something like Mediterranean diet, uh, which, you know, can fulfill a lot of those, as I said, more than 70 nutrients, trying to get hasty, trying to get it something they can do with their friends that they don't look like a pariah or they don't look like they're weird or strange. You know, they can go out to meals, they can do things. That's where most people sit. You're calling me out. Well, if I can train those people, you know, and you know what I'm talking about. It is difficult sometimes to have, a, you know, a lot to have friends, people over, people over for dinner or things like that, because you've got to eat your little meals over here, which might be whatever dietary program you're following. And then you've got to try and serve everybody else over here. Yeah, it's it's, it is one of those. It is. It's difficult. difficult. It's difficult. But, but that, that's the reality on, on the cold face with somebody in a clinical process. Yep. You know, so, so it's about trying to find the benefits of these different processes. And that's where I think, you know, Mediterranean diet, just, you know, not just from a studies perspective for longevity, but just an ease of teaching people that concept and getting them to follow it over many decades is, uh, is obviously has benefits. Okay. All right. So did you want to wrap it up with testing and yes, go back to that? Because I, I love, I love yeah. testing. Well, we, there, there's one, one last, um, you know, hack that I'll talk about. So we talked about stress. We talked about food and diet. Um, uh, sleep will be in that, how well you get your deep sleep. I, I wear an aura ring to, to help gather data. You've got one as well. I noticed that. So, so, and there's lots of different devices to do that, but monitoring, you know, can be helpful. But getting into that deep regenerative sleep is where we want to go. 
there's seven layers of sleep. Um, so, you know, it's about trying to get down into that layer five, six, and seven, which are your deep ones that can rejuvenate and regenerate, regenerate where your, your, your brain fluid is flushed each night. And, and so people can be asleep, but they might only be in layer two, three, or four. Then they're not getting that, uh, that, that effective sleep. So obviously working on sleep is one of the big hacks as well, which then again, the better you're eating and the lower your stress, the better, you know, we can, we can improve sleep. Yeah. Um, so I just touched on that briefly. Uh, the, the last hat was activating your longevity genes. So, so this is you know, some of the exciting research that's going on around the longevity uh, field is you know, things like the situans, things like mTOR, FOXO, AMPK, so many of these pathways and gene factors which are influencing uh, how we're developing disease, how we're aging, you know, what's going on within the human body, all connected into these nine hallmarks of aging, which, you know, some people are starting to hear about. So, so we've got this massive longevity gene network made up of hundreds of genes, of which those four I just mentioned are probably your most famous and well-known of. But you can activate these bits. It's certain molecules that will actually activate now, them. Do you, to, do you do any work with peptides to do to activate these box? I know there's a couple of like not, peptides that work. Not with, as with much. Not as much. The, the reason why is because what I've done from a clinical perspective is I've chosen things that are highly researched over many decades that we've got lots of results on uh -huh. from a safety perspective. Peptides as well. are kind so, of a science experiment. And they are. They are. Methylene blue, like you've mentioned before, is a science experiment. There are some positive things that are coming out of it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so for those people that, are, that don't mind that risk profile and, and, and enjoy them, because I don't think there's any harm to them. But at the same time, I have a, a duty of care with correlation sitting in front of me. Of course. Uh, so that's where I go and utilize the things that I know of that we've used for decades. We've got lots of data around that we've got lots of benefit. And then, as I said before, I test and measure to make sure these things are working. So, so those longevity genes can be activated by, you know, things like uh, xanthan, you know, uh, uh, resveratrol, withania, uh, uh, astragalus, sulforaphane is huge. I've been taking that for 13 years in a capsule form. Yeah. Um, so, so, so absolutely amazing. Um, trying to get these things in that we know can activate these longevity genes because diet and exercise is just not enough to get us to 120. Okay. So we do need some of these other molecules to come in and actually activate and upregulate and to make changes with our mitochondria, as we say, with our with our um, uh, genes, the epigenes, trying to get yeah. them expressing our genetics better to to improve our defences, NRF two defences, uh, with the cells, with oxidation and, and antioxidant response. So all of these things do oftentimes require some supplementation, and especially you know people living in a city, for example. You know, bombarded every day with high amounts of pollutions and, and stressors to the cell. What you get from meat or what we get from, you know, salad and vegetables is not enough to combat what we're doing in our modern societies. Different for somebody living out in the rainforest, drinking out of a mountain stream, having very little pollution, having a, a good diet, they can get a lot more out of their diet. So, though, it, again, you've got to take these things into consideration when we're talking about, you know, taking the right supplements in the right amounts. Yeah, like I said, there's a lot of nuance with any of this stuff. But uh, yes. as a bonus, everyone's going to live at least another year longer just listening to this podcast episode. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can say to people, look, if you do improve your, your diet, you do improve your exercise, you stop smoking, you keep alcohol to a minimum, you keep yourself in a good weight range, you know, you can add probably 10 to 15 years worth of life you know, span to you just doing that, you know, so which is quite, quite dramatic when you think about it. 
but it is about these extra years that I'm looking for. How can I get people to 100 and still look and feel like they're 40 or 50? That'd be great. Get people to 120, you know, and still feel like they have a life. Like a lot of people in the blue zone, being 105, 110, still working in their fields. They might only be doing four or five hours a day in their fields now compared to 12 that they did with our younger. They're still in their fields, yeah. whereas most of us in our Western world, you know, we're already passed and gone, just a memory. Yeah. So, so we get all of these principles that we want to get into people's lives, you know, and, and get them on the right pathway to live longer, you know, and to feel stronger and feel better and have a purpose and be involved in their hobbies and their families. And there, there's reasons, you know, why I want people to live longer. And I want people to find those reasons for themselves. It's a noble mission and one that you don't find very often in medicine. And Australia is very lucky to have it. I hope that um, this inspires more um, practitioners here in the States to um, facilitate or make that that sort of space for this type of practice. Dr. Peter uh, Kayla, where can they find you online? Um, You can go through to my website called Longevity Code. So so longevitycode.com.au, but longevity code is... And it's the code we're talking about, the epigenetics, the genes, the DNA, so improving that code, reprogramming the code. A lot of good information on there on supplements that can be utilised, on uh, consultations, how they work, uh, on the types of science behind the nine hallmarks. So that can all be found you know, on that website. Doc, just tons of value all packed in there, and I could keep going on and on, but I'm taking enough yeah, time. We could talk for hours and hours and hours. And I, but we, I, we, I think we touched on lots of you know good information that everybody can just you know make sure to go back and listen to it or i'm going to put timestamps down below so you can kind of jump to those specific spots where he talked about each one of those and links to his website down below so um this has been motivated endeavors podcast doc i appreciate you coming up thank you